0: Everyone, and welcome back to whiskey and dot 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 and I am your host Robin Robinson. I am the author of The Complete Whiskey Course, so we always get a plug in there. So being the author of a book on whiskey, apparently that means I know a little bit about whiskey and I do and this podcast is really not about whiskey in the fact that we're not going to talk about we're not going to obsess over the details of whiskey in whiskey and For me whiskey is part of whiskey is part of our life whiskey is part of what we uh, what we drink when we get together with friends and we get together with people and we talk about other stuff and so the the idea behind whiskey and is that i invite someone up here to drink some whiskey with me so it you know and here we are in the days of COVID. it's a great way it's great opportunity to get people to actually come up and, and say hello, and I've got something like 960-some bottles of whiskey here. <clears throat> and so uh, my guest will come here and pick a the bottle of their choice, and we're going to sit down and drink it, and then we're going to talk about whatever it is we talk about when we drink whiskey. But each one of my guests comes in, and we talk about something specific that they have been you know uh, chosen for. And so uh, we've had uh, whiskey and racism, we've had whiskey and uh, anti-Semitism, we've had whiskey and LGBTQ, we've had whiskey and entrepreneurialism, we've had whiskey and uh, democratic socialism. And so today I'm actually very happy to introduce my drinking companion uh, today, JJ Cractus this is a and this is whiskey and the brand now one of the things that i do in my life is i am a consultant for small startup and nascent spirit brands and i help them determine the route to market for their brand so we've got all of these distilleries that popped up in the past 20 years in the united states and outside the united states and each one of them is trying to find their route to market And uh, as somebody who's actually been out there and done it, um, I I offer my services out as a consultant to them. And I'm very, very concerned, uh, and I bring my concerns to them about the viability of their brand and and how long their brand is going to last and the difference between a brand and a product and how one serves the other and how one can actually get in, uh, in the way of the other as well. And so, and so that was one of the things I wanted to explore, and that's why I'm really excited to uh, to have JJ here with me. So, um, so hey, say hi. Hello. Yeah, it's good to be here.
1: Thank you for having.
0: Me. JJ is involved with a brand that most people would be so jealous of. In the fact, it has longevity beyond what most people would even think. So, I'm going to actually yeah. allow JJ to introduce himself. And exactly what it is that I'm talking about. So that's yeah, a great it's yeah. a great point. I would even consider
1: myself more of a steward of a brand. That's a great way to look at it. that has a lot of family legacy for me. I'm the third generation. A lot of history. Uh, we're coming on a hundred years in twenty twenty eight, so we're we're ninety three years old. No here. kidding. Yeah. A hundred years. years old? Yeah. Coming on a hundred. So right. Hopefully that'll be a good opportunity to do a little blowout uh, yeah. bash.
0: Well, let's tell uh, everybody uh, what what we're talking about.
1: So we're talking about Conrad's confectionery. yeah, in Westwood, New Jersey. Right. Uh, established in 1928 by Fred Conrad in Oradell, actually, and Fred Conrad. So Oradell is a town, uh, just a near town or two over near Westwood, town or two over. Fred Conrad, interesting story was orphaned in the Boer War. Came oh. over to live with an aunt in the United States. So he was South African, uh, German. Is that where the Boer War
0: happened? Yeah, South okay. Africa.
1: In yeah, in uh, South Africa. I don't really know too much about the yeah. Boer War, but um, it was he was uh, he lost his parents there and came shipped over to uh, the U.S. to to live with an aunt. Apparently in Oradell. Potentially, yeah, somewhere around here. Yeah, he took classes in New York City for confectionery. And then started his business in 1928
0: in Norridal. So let's first of all, this is 2020, not 1920. Yeah. Let's define what's confectionery. Confectionery? Because <laughs> right, that's not a word that you know. No, right? it's not too. Yeah. Not too popular. It's yeah. a great question. Yeah. And I've
1: read it once as the art of a shelf-stable product. Oh,
0: get out! Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah. So. It's producing something that you can put in a case for a decent amount of time. And of course you know it uh, I'm sh- I'm sure confectionery as an umbrella or even if it has a, a strict definition um, that's the one that's always stuck with me.
0: That's brilliant
1: so but we associate
0: it with sweet things sweet things yeah because sugar is a it's preservative sh- is a oh sugar of course is the preservative is the yeah. preservative yeah yeah so that's the oh so is I wonder, I wonder was that a word that was invented in the 20th century or preservative no <laughs> no Confectionary? <laughs> yeah confectioner th- uh, that's, that's a interesting. great question that, i would think... we have to look that up okay well, So
1: i mean i assume it's conrad's Confectionery since at least 1928 since so, there yeah um, right yeah confections
0: confectionery. But you know the uh, you remember the Necco wafers, mm-hmm. so that was actually New England Candy and Confectionery Company. Okay, so that was probably around the same time. Uh, so i would imagine confectionery, but it's interesting. Sweets and things like that were actually a lot of you know, like were, like I think the ice cream sundae was introduced at the Chicago World's Exhibition in the eighteen was it 1898? Okay. So and, and I think candy apples were at that time. So I'm, I'm just wondering if that is sort of a product of leisure time, of the leisure class that was starting to develop uh, around that time. I think so. Yeah. I, uh,
1: I definitely think as the human experience became better and simple pleasures became more uh, accustomed to the regular person's day-to-day, the the sweet
0: became just a maybe part of fabric of uh of
1: everyday life.
0: Yeah. So that's something okay, so you know what we're gonna actually assign ourselves <laughs> to look that up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But what well, you did mention about the Sunday, I don't know if I've ever
1: mentioned this to you, it was named a Sunday because an ice cream soda was considered too decadent to have on a Sunday. So they got this they took the soda out.
0: Oh, get out. And just gave you the ice cream. So
1: you're talking about the bubbly
0: soda was yeah. decadent? Was a decadent thing?
1: So at at some point, the ice cream Sunday was not even a that thing. That is so wild. The ice cream soda was, I guess with you know, the advent of the first pharmacies and, yeah, and uh right. Uh, oh, of course! Bubbly water, of course, yeah.
0: So, so, so that that's perfect. So, I'm a huge fan of Conrad's, but JJ, describe you. what Conrad's is because it's the experience of Conrad's is really at the heart of what we're talking about. Yeah. So, Conrad's is, is it's it was three businesses in
1: one. Now it's two businesses okay. in one: candy and ice cream, of okay. seasonal opposites. And back in the day, a lunch counter right. was the typical model, right? And that model lasted at Conrad's for. Up until ten years ago, yeah, uh, May, well, maybe twelve, where we got rid of the sandwiches, yeah, aspect. Um, so that through that time, you know, it
0: was different derivations of those three businesses. So it was a soda fountain. Soda fountain, yeah, traditional right, right, soda fountain.
1: gooseneck Soda gooseneck fountain, goose soda.
0: soda fountain, where you know, where sandwiches and sodas were served, and uh, uh, I'm sure cherry cokes and cherry lime rickies, cherry lime rickies, lemonades, lemonades, and milkshakes. And
1: I look uh, at the old timey pictures, and I, I still have the bowl that they stored the fruit in. One of the old time pictures, you, you know, going oh, back yeah. to the 30s. Oh yeah, filled with bananas and
0: oranges yeah. and limes. Yeah, with uh, Cass scooping. Scooping up, oh. pack, packing a court, and those are the pictures. So here's the larger photograph. Here, the larger photograph is. This is a storefront in a little town called Westwood, New Jersey, in uh, in mm-hmm. Bergen County, in northern New Jersey. And to explain that, in 1935, Fred realized that Ordell
1: wasn't the place to be, and Westwood was. Westwood was. But yeah, I think because maybe it was the last stop on
0: the line from New York City. Oh, very interesting. So okay, the, the, the train had an impact, right? Oh, the, yeah, the train actually, absolutely had an impact, yeah. right? So, yeah, it's a train stop, and it's a very busy downtown. It's a very dynamic uh, small town atmosphere, and in the middle of it is Conrad's, mm-hmm. uh, looking not probably too distant from what it looked like back when it first opened up. Yeah, uh, it's we did, I did my rounds of renovations, and uh, it was like an
1: archaeological dig. We found. When i ripping things out, six different wallpapers. Oh, my God. Hardwares for four different sets of stools. Wow. So I was putting in at least the fourth fourth set of stools. Yeah. Floor, at least four or five floors. Originally, I was going to try and tear it out to the what I thought was southern yellow pine at, right. the, at the very bottom. Yeah. But uh, ended up just putting another layer right on top. So the floors, <laughs> right. the, yeah. the walls are coming in. Yeah, slowly. right. Yeah, slowly. Yeah, right. Um, yeah,
0: the, the air is getting smaller and yeah. smaller inside. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: it is amazing. There's, we have, um, I have a picture of the old neon signs, which are outlawed in Westwood now, but I, they are. They're still in there, in up above. Oh, how wonderful. The, the, it was built out in front of it at some point. Yeah. Uh, it says homemade candy and neon and yeah. uh, homemade ice cream and neon. So yeah it's it's been a, a staple wonderful to think about the you know serving people ice cream and candy over, over all those years and just the the ins and outs of the seasons and
0: just um So people should know that, for example, that um, they make all of their own candy there and they have these special molds that I'm sure Fred and and the early, Mm -hmm. uh, they all made these molds and they made them downstairs in the basement, right? Yep. So the candy, we do a lot of chocolate novelties
1: uh, with the uh, molding, your, your Easter bunny, your chocolate turkey, your Santa Claus. And then uh, also do a lot of traditional candies, uh, caramels, coconut, peanut brittle, a lot of the cooking and the coating. Uh, mostly everything uh, ends up being chocolate-based, covered in chocolate, or uh, chocolate novelty, but we do some hard candies, like peanut brittle is kind of considered a hard candy. We used to be the hard candy place because um, back in the day, the there were, you know five or six confectioners would all pool resources, labor resources. They would go from one place to another and they would build their stock up for each store. So they would go to this store and do all the chocolate and then split it, bring oh. it to their stores. Okay. They would come to Conrad's, they would do all their hard candy and then split it. Right. They would work together yeah. With and share their labor Right. and then split the inventory. Because you know, three towns over back then was plenty enough to not sure you know, you're you're not going to zero gonna, competition. Yeah, you don't
0: have a, a an overlapping demographic, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, right. So we actually have a history yeah. in uh, hard candy from the candy aspect, um, which I will bring back at at some point. Yeah, what's wonderful about Conrad's is uh, so during the the big candy seasons, which is uh, Easter and Valentine's Day, um, their front windows are just festooned. With all of the examples of all of the novelty items, uh, everything from of course large bunnies and large hearts to uh, computer computers in, in chocolate and yeah. golf balls and, and all kinds of really cool novelty stuff, and it's all made by them. It, it's just, it's a marvelous it's a marvelous experience to be part of that and of course now in the summertime um and this has been a sort of a it's sort of evolved into a summertime ritual now in in westwood is that uh, in the evenings long lines line up out uh, around the corner from conrad's and everyone is getting scoops of ice cream at the takeout window Uh, homemade ice cream homemade ice cream yeah since the beginning since the beginning so do you have the quality speech memorized by chance no, no okay that's then, a great so I I moved into this little town uh, 22 years ago back when you guys were still um a lunch counter mm-hmm. and I came in and I walked in I said oh my god what did I just walk into is, is this phony is this like a, kind of an applebee's kind of phony or is this like the real thing and and then I you know I'm sitting at the counter on one of the stools and it's pretty damn obvious that this is the real thing. Legit. This is the this is legit, and uh, and I order something to eat, and I'm having lunch, and I'm looking at the menu, on the inside of the menu, and it's it's one of the menus that has you know the it's got the the, the sort of plastic leather uh, frame around it you know that you can actually flip through, and in there is this, and it's uh it was it was a piece of paper, and I asked them if I could take it with me. And and the reason why I, I I just had never read anything that talked about this particular subject matter in the way that I read this, and uh, so I'm going to read it for everybody. Actually, tell you what, it would make much more sense if JJ reads it. All right, so, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, so this is so just read the entire thing from the very oh, top. Oh, look so at this people, it's the original print. It's the original print. Yeah. Nice. It's a good font. I love
1: looking at the old printing. At the old printing. The, yeah. I actually have some old. Pr- old printing things. I, I'll show you one yeah. day. In, and that's definitely a font from the away 19... one of the yeah, antiques.
0: Really? That's definitely Man a font conference. from the 1920s right there. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Quality.
1: Merchandise of quality bears a price. Commensurate with the character of effort, skill, and intrinsic worth put into it. The maker is properly compensated for his earnest exertion of the ability, energy, and experience with, with which he is endowed. The purchaser is rewarded by sound value. Lasting utility in the pride and pleasure of an honest product of quality truthfully represented. There is no vicious circle of sacrifice involved in the honest sale of an article of fine craftsmanship and good taste. The vending of quality merchandise ministers to the welfare of all preserves the tradition on which true progress in industry is founded. It is our purpose to ever maintain the highest
0: standards of quality integrity in this establishment. A good place to eat. This is fantastic, and so this is why I asked them to I, so I can have this, because I was in you know I was working for a, a software company at the time where we were selling very expensive you know custom made business to business software, mm-hmm. and so I'm constantly dealing with the whole idea of what is quality versus price. Right. Circa and, when did you? Uh, I'm just curious. When, what? When? Uh, when did you? What did I steal ask, this? Ask oh. for it. Okay. <laughs> no, I asked for it. Um, so I moved here in the late '90s. Okay. So it was around then, you know, okay. late '90s, early uh, maybe around 2000. And one of the first times I actually walked into Conrad's, and I saw that, and it just so it so hit me. And this is really the core. And so, and it's just so you know, I've used this, and you know, I've a, a attributed to you guys. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. actually made a slide of this, and then I put this up on slides. I use this over and over and over and over to impress upon people what this 1920s definition and yeah. how it's so relevant today. Yeah, in terms of making a brand. So you guys have been around since the mid 1920s, and since 1928, and here we are in 2020. The brand—how would you? This is me, my brand. This is your brand. Yeah. Of course it is. But how's how's the brand doing? Uh, the brand's doing good. Yeah. You know, we
1: just went went into—I guess our biggest expansion in 93 years. We uh, just uh, signed a lease March first. So 1st. you didn't
0: want to really rush into it. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's you know, it's a lot. Yeah, you're... Or I don't want to make a decision. Let's let two generations from now make that decision. Let's let that kid do it. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: it's uh, you know you can't go into it lightly. I mean, you're putting you're putting... wait a minute. You can't go
0: into it lightly. Why? Uh, because you're putting a lot of um, weight on the top of your ship, absolutely, right? Because yeah. you're carrying a big piece of baggage. You right? are, yeah. Uh, right? It's 93 years.
1: You have a ship that's been been sailing yeah. for for 90 plus years, yeah, and you're gonna put um, a bunch of new equipment onto the top of it. And before yeah. you can get it on, uh, you know, underneath, it's gonna put a lot of weight on top. That's gonna make your make your ship a little. Uh, tipsy it is yeah right so and then if a storm happens to come up maybe the worst storm in uh yeah who would know 60 years yeah, right, yeah. it uh who would ever think that would
0: happen you know?
1: you, you put yourself in a, in a precarious position
0: yeah yeah um so so let's talk about that because this is being recorded in september early september in 2020 and we're now Six and a half months, maybe, into uh, our, our COVID our 19 pandemic. Um, pandemic. I mean, you guys are doing well, which is really wonderful. And um, fortunate, we and, feel very fortunate. Yeah, yeah. So, what went into all the thinking before that? So, you know, expounding upon what you were just talking about, not putting too much weight on there because you want to keep the ship, the ship's floating, the ship's moving forward. You don't want to undo this. So, what was the uh, what was the type of what was the the process of uh, of decisions um, that you had to go through to do the update for Conrad's to keep it alive in the 21st century?
1: Yeah, I I think um, you know as the current captain and the steward, it comes down to first just updating the ship to sail in the seas you see coming. So. Yeah, we've been in 90 plus years, but the world's a constantly changing place and you got to adapt, adapt with it. Part of that expansion and adaptation is just seeing the the world change
0: and wanting to be a part of it, mm-hmm. you know, moving forward. You were the inheritor of all this, and so you're, and I love the use of the word steward. I remember, for example, a couple of years ago, you actually tried doing like musical evenings inside mm-hmm. of Conrad's, you know, yep. that kind of ran its. It it ran its thing, and you know. Um, so what what was it? What were you seeing out there that you wanted to make sure that Conrad's? And I'm sure you were trying to balance out. We want to keep this flavor. It's a 1920s establishment. At the same time, we want to keep it relevant. Exactly, and and so you can't get around the fact that when you're in it,
1: you can't get around this dichotomy that an old fashioned soda parlor is who you are, but it's also a dinosaur business model that doesn't exist anymore for a very good reason. So that's that challenge of the very fabric of of what your business is in an environment where it's getting harder and harder like I I walked into it where we were already one of the only soda fountains you know I mean how you got to go pretty long ways you got to travel to find, find another little. one right so the realization you know my my mindset now is adapt and grow in areas that will keep who we are alive i never want to um get away from that soda fountain uh, model but we do need to support that with other other means so uh, give us an example of
0: of what of what that is so Obviously, people are still lining up outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People are still coming inside when they're able to They actually shop for um, confections. At confections, yeah. Christmas is coming up. That's gonna be uh, that's that's gonna be a big uh, a big time. Obviously, yep. So, uh, what what were what were the adaptations? What were the uh, the things that you, you you wanted to kind of bring up to speed? So,
1: the biggest adaptation in my time uh, was the the walk up window. So, before I got into the business and at some point, my dad, I went to school for engineering, didn't like a corporate environment, saw this legacy and decided to go into it, make okay. it my life's work, right. continue be a third generation in my family to steward this business. At some point, got in, started feeling the, feeling the ropes, getting, getting experience for what it, what it actually was. And my father mentioned, uh, wouldn't it be great if we could Have a Dutch door at the front and serve serve ice cream out of the front. Really? Yeah. It was just that simple. It was that simple. I should have kissed him (laughs) on the spot. Honest to God. Really? That was Um, like wow. Because a Dutch door. That was it. That was the solution. (laughs) That was that was it was his idea. Uh, It was his inspiration. It was my perspiration. (laughs) And I was like, that's brilliant.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, At the time, we were closing at six. We had candy hours in the summer. Right. We were, yeah. uh, the, w- the ice cream was sort of keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. Candy was the focus, mm-hmm. was the breadwinner mm-hmm. for the business at the time. When we put in that, there's amazing psychology that went into that door.
0: Holy smoke. I, it really is. I mean, it, it really is. Because the lines speak for themselves.
1: Yeah. And we started, I started that, a um, good friend of mine, Mary-Kate, we make music now together. She was working for me at the time. I uh, literally had her on Sundays unfoiling leftover Easter eggs for us to melt down into summer chocolates. Oh, sitting a, there doing
0: There's nothing. a labor of love. Oh, my her. God. Like,
1: I just, you know, like and, you're and sitting also, here doing nothing. Might and, as well.
0: And also there's a phrase that you don't often hear often, which is unfoiling leftover Easter eggs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a hashtag in there somewhere. Totally. And that's how it started. Like one customer coming up.
1: Every wow. so often. And you learn in in business, everything takes years
0: and years and years. Okay, say that again. Everything takes years. I don't want to say that again. You learn in business, everything, everything takes years. I just wanted you to repeat that three times. Okay. That was important. Okay. Okay, that was, you know, can you say that again? Everything takes years. <laughs> years and years. Okay, that, I think that's, that, that's the core of this episode, is that idea. Hmm. I mean, we live in a time of uh, of immediacy, yeah, right. Instant on demand. Instant on demand, right? You know, instant and, gratification. Uh, obs- you know, uh, uh, instant gratification, uh, planned obsolescence, you know, all of those things that have uh, nothing but a sense of impermanence to them, yeah, right. And here's somebody who's had, you know, the third generation steward of a of, of a of a shop that's a little candy shop that's been sitting around here since 1929. And is vi- not only viable, it's growing. You know, it's it's a thing. You know, you guys are on the internet. I know that uh, one of the chef shows or something had uh, done an episode there.
1: Yeah, we were fortunate to get on um, Martha Stewart as well as okay. um, The Chew. The what? The Chew. The with, Chew. Uh, Carla okay. Hall. Yeah, right. With Carla Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought those were going to come easy.
0: They, like, they came like two years apart. Oh, okay. Right. There you like, go. Oh, yeah. This is... Right. Yeah, this will happen, every and 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 in the meantime, what do you do? You just keep you doing the thing You, you take do. advantage of your opportunities. Yeah. Uh, the Martha bump
1: was uh, a third on top of our biggest um, holiday, Easter. Oh, that's great. They both hit us for Easter. Yeah. Um, and each candy business to, like sort of evolves differently. Of in, in going to conferences and classes, have talked with other uh, candy places and. Some people, it's Valentine's is their biggest. Some, uh, it's Christmas is their biggest. We always, uh, Easter was our biggest, biggest holiday. Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah. And I think... And, was, and,
0: and I just want to actually just... Here's the good news, is um, in their family, some of the family members were Eastern Orthodox, were Greek Orthodox. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they were always sensitive to the fact that the Orthodox Easter was different than the, than the Western Easter. Mm-hmm. And they always kept the candy up all the way through the Orthodox Easter. And sometimes they're four weeks apart. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I just want to kind of give you a shout out to all of the, the Orthodox. Oh, yeah, so yeah. All, all the Orthodox the uh, Christians, Greek, Christians the out there. The Orthodox here. Easter people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, we're, we're definitely with you. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. The Easter,
1: uh, was always our biggest holiday and Martha Stewart and the true both picked us up for Easter, uh, spots. Yeah. And we got a bump from
0: both of them, and we were able to uh, hold on to it. Yeah, you know. So, did you see? Uh, was there an exponential growth, or was there a modest growth? Uh, did it spike and then fall back down to normality again? Or? Uh, East
1: Martha Stewart was about thirty percent, and we held it the next year. Yeah, um, and then I think Chu was twenty percent. Okay,
0: and I think we. You know, maybe back down five percent after the the next year, but and did you have a tracking mechanism to understand uh, where your new where your new uh, customers were coming from? Okay. No. Okay. Yeah, because I'm I'm still thinking Shark Tank. You know, they're asking asking you know what's the cost of customer retention and how do you know? Oh my God! Yeah, 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 those
1: there's a litany of those questions I'd love to answer. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. (laughs) Good. Good.
0: But uh, so so but that's even better because because the key to this. Is that you're not a corporation and you don't have a corporate structure. You're a family business. and- well, te-
1: technically we are a corporation. Well, okay, but we, te- we're, we don't. You're technically, government. yeah, you're technically right,
0: a corporation. Yeah. You're incorporated. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, you don't have the vast resources of, uh, you know, a, a we're a mom and pop. Mom and pop, absolutely, and and that's really the key. So with mom and pops, you're always running on a, a, a system of limited resources, mm. which means money, time, and people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there are a lot of things that you'd love to get to. Boy, I really would love to actually put like tracking on, you know, mm-hmm. we should probably gather email addresses at one point. But, you know, on the other hand, we got to keep the lights on. We got to keep the, the boiler going to yeah. melt the chocolate. The sink breaks. The, yeah, right. The toilet breaks. <laughs> the toilet the, breaks. You know. Right. Yeah. So. And this is the brilliance of the, uh, of, and this is why this is so important. Because this is a mom and pop brand that's been running over ninety three years now.
1: Yeah, I sometimes ponder the <laughs> the the experience I have and the experience like that that this has been going on for uh, ninety plus years and things have been breaking and things are you get fixed. It, it's hard to really understand what it is to run a business until you're in it. Until you're and, in it. Yeah. Um, and it's just one of those things
0: where you don't you don't really understand something until you're in it. And of course you can't, right? You can't. Because yeah, you can't understand what the the temperature of that pool is until you get into the pool. Yeah. So and so here's another innovation you got that you're doing, you know, that you're bringing there, which is the trucks. The trucks. We're going right? mobile. We're do, We're going events. Um, the original plan of the
1: expansion was um, big events, food truck festivals, street yeah. fairs. Sure. Uh, I got my first truck, and we Mawa Food Truck Festival was a big, big hit. showed showed you what what happens when you can put a, a lot of good ice cream with a large crowd of people on a nice sunny day. day. Yeah, um, <laughs> Dude, look, beautiful things a, happen for yeah, business. That's, that's with, not a winning combination at components. all. Right. <laughs> um, and then corporate gifts uh, was always a uh, very good business that was underserved that um, we were looking to push into as well. Yeah course, both those
0: dried up instantly with COVID. Temporarily, because mm-hmm. those corporate temporarily gifts, corporate gifts are going to be coming back now. Yeah. It'll both both are coming oh, yeah. back. Both are coming back. Uh, right. Big gatherings are, are got to be coming back eventually at some yeah, point. At some point. At some but point. but interestingly enough, you remember now your big gatherings are really outside gatherings, yeah, and, which is the most amenable. Mm -hmm. area in Mm -hmm. which to actually have a large gathering and uh and and if you're able to kind of set up you know the the right type of protections uh Mm -hmm. there's nothing there's nothing that doesn't say that can't be viable for first of all now and and here's the cool thing i i didn't know about this and i didn't know about the trucks until uh I, i you know i'm home now working from home and i hear like like um Bob Marley, yeah. right? I hear Bob Marley like blasting out of some speaker. I'm thinking, okay, somebody's just going by the uh, by the house with uh you know with their windows open. But no, Bob Marley just like I'm, yeah. I'm hearing the entire um, one love. Yeah, and I'm going, what the fuck is that, right? <laughs> and I go outside and there's a Conrad's truck down the street blasting out Bob Marley, yeah. right? So thank yeah. God it's not chicken in the straw, turkey in the straw, oh, or yeah, any, yeah. right? Any of those old and I walk up and yeah, I'm going to buy that ice cream sandwich, of course, because I love that ice cream sandwich, right? Yeah. We couldn't go the, we couldn't, I couldn't go the jingle route in good conscience. Yeah, I, I, and, I had and, to put and, a real sound system and, in and there. everyone is thankful, yeah. that, you know, like, yeah. everyone is thankful that, you know. Yeah. And that was fun, so
1: I just let uh, the drivers pick their own pick music. Pick their own so, music? Oh, yeah, well, that's flavor. great. That's awesome. uh, that's awesome. I play yeah. the Grateful Dead. I got okay. uh, old uh, tapes. I got my buddy... Has an archive of uh, Grateful Dead shows.
0: Oh, so this is so cool! It's almost going back to the old kind of um, DJ-led radio, FM radio, where like you know, you get to actually the DJ gets to pick you know his yeah own, yeah, yeah his own music as long him. as it's uh, somewhat family friendly.
1: Yeah, you know, sure. Uh, yeah. right. Okay, got it. <laughs> I right. mean, I have can't I, do fuck the police. I got some. <laughs> I, there's got some standards I have to uh, maintain. Yeah, right. But yeah, it's a lot of fun, yeah. and it's it's That's a, awesome. We again. I There's a lot of analogies I use for business. One of them's mining. You know, you put you put shafts into the ground and you see what the ore is like. Oh. You know, and you just you you keep plugging them in, and it's good to have a lot because I mean it's a it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. If you have one shaft it's doing well, yeah, it's great. You can put all your energy into it and you can really but then cook. But only one shaft. If that dries yeah. up, right? Yeah, you're cooked. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you have a lot, your energy spread thin.
0: Absolutely. Oh. It's, say that again if you have a lot your energy is spread and thin. what was the thing before that if you only have one yeah you can concentrate yeah so again I, I just wanted to have you repeat this because I mean so the reason I'm having you do this of mm-hmm. course uh, only because we we've, we've drank you know, uh, two halves of both of these bottles here yeah um, is that <laughs> these to me are the core tenets of real brand building is understanding these these concepts right here. You know, business I had Effie Panagopoulos here, uh, who is a, um, an entrepreneur, and we talked about a lot of similarity in that she's a one-woman show. Well, that's not, a, a, that's not a, a scalable operation unless she's able to create a structure in which she's able to scale herself in a way that doesn't deplete where her core business is at. You know, and yeah. and not dilute it as yeah. well. At the same time, it's always the the shop is always the shop, and the shop is the core. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it can't be the only the, the only shaft. The shop is it, not it, scalable. It's not scalable. Exactly yeah. right. So now you have scalable. You know that actually kind of brings. You know what we should talk. Let's talk, we'll talk about scale it. Let's talk about these whiskeys here. So yeah. So again, the the whole idea of this is someone comes up here and so. JJ's not prof- self professed, not a huge whiskey drinker.
1: No, very shallow um, enjoyer of, of things. Not a negative, shallow sense. It's yeah. just
0: a. Um, not a lot of depth of understanding of where all the choices are at. Yes, yeah. I would love yeah. to come here once
1: a week and understand my true whiskey palate because this is the place
0: you could Done. discover that. Done. All right. Okay. So, okay, so good. Uh, yeah, we're neighbors. Yeah. No, just down the street. We'll set it up once a week, right? You'll come in, but the only the only thing is you can't ever pick the same thing twice. All right, so we got nine hundred sixty. Yeah, weeks. right. So that's that's the only thing. <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah, the only condition. Okay, it was interesting. So as, as a as a newbie, as a kind of a novice mm. or shallow, in in JJ's words, I, I said, "What are you interested in?" And he was kind of giving me like descriptors that didn't really say anything.
1: Yeah. Because I like what I like. Yeah, but he didn't really, really know how to. About
0: yeah, he didn't really know how to express that to me when I asked him that question. Because probably you don't get that question. No. No. Yeah. No. Right. So, um, so I kind of led him around to actually understanding that what he likes is something that's kind of fruity, it's kind of light, maybe a little spice. He didn't want anything peaty or smoky, right? So I led him to an area of uh, of the shelves here that were primarily Scotch whiskey. And so, uh, so I want you to tell uh, tell everybody what you know, what you picked out here. Fortunate enough to get two two bottles here, which is really nice.
1: I'm gonna give, butcher you, the pronunciation. Yeah, go ahead, give it a shot, man.
0: Even though you told me, you mentioned a couple that's right. times. Yeah, Glen Bingo. Actually, I was is actually very, Glenn good. Yeah, right. that was very good. Yeah, Glen yeah, yeah, right? yeah, that was very good. So yeah, Glen Morangy. Glen Yeah, that's very good. So of the two, this was uh, the one I would prefer. Yeah, of would the say two. I just uh, more of a Clean
1: is that the right word? Uh, yeah,
0: or lighter, lighter, yeah, lighter, yeah, right. yeah or delicate, more delicate. And what was that? You know what? You want to give that one a shot? The second one, Glengarry, was it? Close. It was Glen Glengarry. Yeah, right. Glen yeah, it looked like Glen Glengarryock. Glen, Garryock. glen Garryock. Right. Yeah, it looks like Glen Garryock. but then again, glen it's Gaelic, Gaelic, so you know. Glen Geary. Yeah. And I was going to ask this question earlier, but yeah, what's with all the Glens? Oh well, you know what a Glen is? Like a hill. Uh, well, it's uh, the space between the hills. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and in the highlands, um, it's it's lot of... it's actually very much a, all you have to do is actually go into kind of like um, central Pennsylvania, and uh, you'll get right into what you know where Grand they country. settled. Okay. You know, which is um, it's all glens and ravines and. and How oh, do you think they settled there? Because it just felt like home. A uh, lot of that reason. So yeah, Glen is just a—it's just a space between two hills, you okay. Know? And there's lots of them there. So yeah, Glen Morangie. So uh, the hills and, with the, the, the natural boundaries of uh, for the the towns and. No, there were no natural boundaries. And the highlands—it was—I mean—it was wide open. These were crazy. The Highlanders were actually feared by the British because they were uncontrollable. They were um, savage. Okay. um they uh, they had clans and clans and and had they had families and they had loyalties and they had lords and then you know uh, um and that was it and so they had these lands over here and that lord had that those lands over there and they were always fighting with each other and it was really just you know the history of Scotland is is just filled with violence and uh mm. and, and insecurity. Mm. Um, and through that the British crown had been trying to subjugate the the country for hundreds of years so the highlands is where once you get up in the highlands you're not going to find me right so there's almost like a correlation to Afghanistan and it's it's being hard to being hard to find them yeah, exactly. Because of geography. Because of the geography, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so and that's when they, the gland <coughs> so when they settled, the Scots Irish, when they settled here in the United States, they actually settled in where the Appalachians, which is pretty damn close to uh, to the Highlands. Felt like home. Yeah, felt like home. But that's actually where you know uh, whiskey really kind of it became like a birthright for for Highlanders. You know, to make whiskey, to make uh, this is the Gaelic word is Ushkaba, it meant water of life. Mm-hmm. This was just a, a regular part of farming and a regular part of life is to make this the same in, same thing in Ireland, and it would take take on uh, your geographical area, mm-hmm. you know, or or the family names, right? Or the family names. So in these two cases, Glen Giddy and uh, Glen Morangy, and of the two, you like the Glen Morangy a, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so just so uh, just so you know, so we're actually uh, we're we're in reality we're drinking the. Uh, the Glenmorangie um, Finalta. So uh, for those fans, uh, those people who don't know about the, the brand, Glenn Glenmorangie has been around actually quite a long time. But they're owned by LVMH, Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy. And this is kind of considered a, a luxury brand. And so they put an enormous amount of, of time and effort and resources into creating this whiskey. I was explaining to to um jj about the types of stills that they use and it produces a really light delicate spirit and bill lumsden who is the head of whiskey creation is this brilliant mad scientist of flavors and what they're known for at glen morangy is these different finishes which means that they'll they'll age the whiskey in x bourbon barrels or and then they'll secondarily age the whiskey again in a whole range of ex-Sherry, ex-Port ex-Malaga wine, ex-Madeira mm-hmm. they're incredibly experimental and throughout all of this they've created an entire range of flavors that when they put these together they'll put together different creations and one of the creations here is a uh, Fanalta, which uh, Uh, actually has a lot of uh, Oloroso sherry uh, input on this. It actually says American oak and Oloroso sherry oak from an original recipe of 1903. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it goes back to that. Now, that was one of the ones you mentioned where... They would do four or five a year. Was that of of different styles, right? So if you look up on my shelf there, you'll see the Glenn Morangie and the the regular. That's their regular ten year old. Yeah, okay, right yeah, there. Yeah. and then behind it is all of the different variations that they'll have. So that yeah. was distinct to some some t- some point in time. They, well, and they made a certain yeah. amount, bottled it up, and that's and that was it. And yeah, that's it. yeah. He may recreate it. They may not. But it, yeah. yeah, based on a when would. Your night uh, this was based on a recipe from 1903. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and in 1903, they were probably using a lot of um, ex-Oloroso sherry barrels in order to age the whiskey, because sherry was drunk a lot back then. So there were a lot of barrels around. Right. You know. Yeah. yeah. And so that was one whiskey, and then the second whiskey is this Glen And I was explaining to JJ that um, so this is the Founder's Reserve. Um, this is a Highland whiskey that is. I just don't think it gets enough marketing. It's owned by Beam Suntory, and this was part of a morrison Beaumore company that was been around for a while. and Beam Suntory bought them, and this uh, it's it's an absolutely delicious whiskey. It's it's rich. This is forty eight percent. That Finalto was forty six percent. So they're higher in um, uh, they're higher in ABV. Uh, they don't chill filter either one of these. So all of the the Original oils and fats that happen during fermentation that stay through, are still in the bottle. They don't filter them out. And that's why they kind of stick around in your mouth a little bit and kind of hang Interesting. out, you know. And uh, it's it's just that the Glengiri just doesn't get a lot of love out there. And it's too bad. It's uh, it's in a, a portfolio that shares a lot of space with um, Laphroaig and, and Beaumont and mm. Suntory whiskeys, you know, like uh, Yamazaki. But uh, I'd really like to see this really kind of get a little bit uh, a higher profile because I just think it's a really delicious whiskey. Deserves a little more attention. Yeah, 1797 Founders Reserve. So it's a single malt as well. Uh, they're both great. Um, I do actually. It's interesting. I love the Glen Morangy stuff. Um, uh, JJ has really kind of like um, that's really has an affinity for that tonight. And I, we were talking about this. You know, my palate changes mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, tonight I'm really got a thing for this Glen Giddy because I probably haven't opened this bottle in five or so years. Yeah, you reacquainting yourself—it's a reacquaintance again, man. So here's old here's friend. Cheer, cheers, cheers to you. Cheers. Yeah. All right. All right. So and so that's another great uh, example of this. You know. So these are two great brands right here. One brand that is owned by a, a really wealthy French company and is able to put enough resources out there to get its name. Uh, out there, and, and give it the patina of luxury, you know, or the, at least the, the the affinity of luxuriness, you know. And then the other brand, which is an absolutely delicious whiskey, it's fabulous, um, t- just doesn't get any love, and so no one knows about it, except you know, the, geeky, the geekiest of the geeks, mm-hmm. that, you know, that would, would, you know, and it's a great example of, you know, how one meets... The zeitgeist of of the consumer right now, and the other one doesn't meet the zeitgeist of the zoo, of the consumer, yeah, or or, yeah. or 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 in your case, do you you must be doing both of these? You must be you have an ear out to the consumer world out there and say, okay, this looks like an area in which we need to really kind of expand. Mm-hmm. But is there else? Is there something else internally that's you know that's driving you from like I always wanted to do blank or you know, maybe somebody in one of the generations in the 40s and the 50s actually did this, and we should recreate that? As, yeah. Was that ever part of this? That's a great question. Um,
1: to answer the first part, there's such an importance on understanding what your customers want, especially your customers. You know, So I have, I'm very fortunate, I have generations of customers. So I have a customer base. Yeah. Trying to listen and understand what they want um, is of the utmost importance because that's that's the primary source of wind in my sales. Understanding what they want, but then also understanding where I can get more wind, where I'm not getting people,
0: and that's... Uh, that's, your, that's customer acquisition right there.
1: Customers acquisition. So yeah. a big part of this expansion is reaching new markets. Two of those big markets would be like Non-milk dessert alternatives. Uh, Nut milks, almond milks, coconut milks. Oh,
0: because actually, and, you know... Allergies. Allergies, absolutely. Lactose intolerance and and things like that, yeah. So the new
1: product line's geared
0: to what I hope is a
1: nice choice of gluten-friendly, vegan-friendly. Perfect. uh, Non-milk dessert items. Right. So I'm trying to hit those bases. Right. Those have been underserved. Yeah. So... That's sort of listening, listening to what's out there, listening to the zeitgeist. That's exactly it. We happen to be very fortunate because there is this movement happening of local, Mm family-owned that we happen to just fit right into, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, something from a branding perspective like we put out in the forefront now because it's there, there's love coming from the community for establishments like ours mm-hmm. to support establishments like ours so uh, the appreciation for for that love is something I it's very important to me because that's really that's the heart right yeah I think this quality statement you know it's funny because I remember the first time maybe I've really actually read this this yeah. this has been sitting in the store oh yeah I grew up in the store sure. you know and so I mean this is this is a highbrow yeah like statement yeah. of of, of words here and I, I I'm i more man? always more of a math guy
0: okay oh got it okay right so I yeah.
1: remember I think trying to digest that for the first time and I think it got it got in me deep because it really the what I am trying to do with my life is use my use the business to flourish that wonderful love relationship that is craftsmanship there I almost feel like not enough uh, we've almost disregarded the love that goes into business. Oh my god, just repeat that fucking again. <laughs> we've Would almost you? I feel like we've disregarded the love that goes into business. Wow. Yeah. And over the years it, we've treated it as like a clinical thing right. and it's not like the plumber who shows up at your place has dedicated his life yeah. to serve you in that moment. Yeah. And yeah, money transacts but what what we don't um, revere enough is the fact that this is a community and this is a person coming to solve your problem
0: right. and and here it is. It's written right here. It's really done well there. It's so the, the purchaser is rewarded by sound value, lasting utility, lasting utility, right? and the pride and pleasure of an honest product of quality truthfully represented. There is no vicious circle of sacrifice involved in the honest sale of an article of fine craftsmanship and good taste. I mean, this is what blew my mind when I read this. oh my mind right now. It is. I mean, because no one thinks like this anymore. And... The
1: age of even the crafting of thought like that behind that. yeah, uh, yeah, kind uh, of and it's
0: wonderful because it's sort of like that sort of like that's like that post Victorian uh, use of language, you know, there's a lot of archness in in the language, which was you know, the merchandise of quality bears a price commensurate with the character of effort skill and intrinsic worth put into it uh, you would, that would never fit into a tweet you know? yeah no, that's <laughs> right? not, not a modern day not a modern uh, day tweet but what's loaded in that sentence i mean it's loaded it's you know? loaded it's chock it's chock every one of these words is like any idea who wrote this no i was just about to i would love to know oh my god where it's, that came yeah, from yeah it's just but the fact that it was sitting on the counter of a lunch counter in northern New Jersey, yeah, yeah. in uh, you know in an ice cream parlor, and you guys had adopted this as your motto. This is what's mind blowing about yeah, this, I- is, 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 you know, when you think about the the disparity of that you know this would be words that you would see maybe etched in stone uh, in sub corporate meeting place you know in an, a corporate office not in, in a menu yeah. <laughs> on the counter on a, on a on a Formica counter you I would know?
1: absolutely love to find out you know it's ab- how it's, that came to be yeah. yeah you know
0: it's really interesting my I grew up in a place like like Conrad's in the town that I grew up in, in, in a little town called Homestead, Pennsylvania, which is mm-hmm. an old steel town, there was a place called Moxley's Drugstore. And it was on a corner, and in, right in the very center of the business district of town. And the town happened to also include the largest steel mill in the world at one time. Mm. So, so it, this was a company town. It was U.S. Steel. Uh, everyone worked in the mill or was you know part of the mill ecosystem. And so it was a bust- when I was growing up, there was an absolutely on fire bustling town. And Conrad's uh, or uh, Moxley's was just that. It was the combination pharmacy. and so it, was a a, it was a drugstore counter. yeah. And yeah, sandwiches and uh, you know grilled cheese and lime rickies and cherry cokes and cups of coffee. And uh and then behind you and then to the back you can smell the sulfur.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh the sulfur that the pharmacists were using in their compounding. They were still compounding all of the, the Oh my goodness sake. Yeah, yeah, making it on site. Make the it components. on site. Make that make it on site, man. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, I didn't yeah. Re- like yeah, I yeah didn't...
0: it wasn't Pfizer out there doing no, this. It was no. like Moxley's was it took doing. Took a it. recipe and yeah, that's you know. exactly. And of course, that was a time of sulfur drugs. So yeah. you know, we think about sulfur as like you know, you. But next sulfur, uh, we were talking about this before about using our nose and how our grandparents actually experienced uh, the world much more with their noses than we do. Yeah, and one of those. Uh, was the was the, actually the smell and taste of sulfur, which they were actually much more accustomed to through history. It's only in the past fifty years that we've gotten rid of that smell altogether. Mm. You know, and we've rotten you know, egg smell, yeah. the rotten egg smell or that sulfurous, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. Um, but they were actually quite used to it, and that was actually part of pharmacy. So this is like you know when I walked into Conrad's the first time. It's the first thing I said. Oh my God, this is Moxley's. Yeah, <laughs> this is Moxley's drugstore now Moxley's actually um, lives on uh, uh, in perpetuity as well it's closed now however um, if you look uh, if, next time uh, you watch Silence of the Lamb yeah. the counter that Clarice interviews I can't remember who the hell she interviews in order to find out about Buffalo Bill she interviewed him at Moxley's at Moxley's so it was done on site oh I can't wait to watch that yeah it was awesome yeah right yeah so um, I can't remember who the hell she's interviewing anyway it's in there there, the scene is in there so unfortunately Moxley's is gone forever but like you know Conrad's is is here yeah I mean you know it's uh... so you guys are making ice cream you're making chocolate you're, you've got th- how many how many trucks out there? Three trucks. Three trucks Three out trucks. there. You now have a separate factory space outside. You're, everything was being done in the basement before, right? Yeah,
1: basement and upstairs. And the upstairs. upstairs is an old apartment that yeah. Uh,
0: yeah they used to live in. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean the history. Uh, you always lived above uh, the store. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that it's, it's, it was the old model. So uh, tell us a little bit about so the uh, so Fred Conrad opened the place up, mm-hmm. but that wasn't your family. No, so my
1: uh, my grandfather, um, as he told the story, was looking for work, and the choice was uh, hopping on the train going into New York City for 16 bucks a week, hmm. and then I think um, Conrad, he had worked at a different soda fountain in Westwood. I guess how many soda fountains were there when the, he was... Uh, let's say a half a dozen. Yeah, seven. Was it seven? Seven. Wow. For my, my recollection... He said he said there were seven wow. seven soda fountains in town. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he had
0: ex- prior experience. And I don't know if uh, there's a resume. <laughs> yeah, right. I had prior experience at another soda fountain. Prior, right? prior experience, and I think
1: Fred, just like me with the kids these days, he the second he was slow, my grandpa grabbed a, a rag and started wiping stuff up, and you know Fred recognized that and said, you know, I think gave him seventeen. A week oh, to stay in town. Yeah, instead of hopping on the train, right. became eighteen. Right, quickly. You know, just like
0: and your grandfather was a. That was was that the Cractus part of the family? No, Paletus, the, the Greek Piletus. side. Okay, the yeah. Greek side, That was the Paletus side. Yeah. Okay, right. Okay, yeah. so we got the job in the thirties
1: and then um, worked for worked for Fred. Uh, we were talking about uh, challenges and uh, you know this this COVID challenge that uh, that I'm facing and then you know they went through the Great Depression and yeah. World War Two.
0: Yeah. You know. And here, this is, and we're only six months into this, and we're, we're, we're and we're all going fucking crazy. And four years. And they my, went what fourteen years? Yeah. Right between both of those. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: My my grandpa was in Europe for four and a half years, in the war. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. No, so. No kidding. Yeah. And, and then came back, and became a partner. The original articles of corporation in 1947. Wow. And wow. he's, uh, you know, half, pretty much half partner, 49%. Yeah. Uh, each, Fred and uh, my grandpa, Jim Pelletz, uh, Jim Pelletz has had 49% of the wives, each had 1%. Yeah. On the original Articles
0: Incorporation, 1947. Wow. Cool. Right after the war. Right after right the war. Right when everybody came home, started a life.
1: Yeah, came home, made, yeah. him, made him partner, and, you know, it's... You just marvel. I marvel at sometimes, like going in the basement and looking at a knife that that Fred and my my grandpa used. Oh my god! You know, sitting in there. Yeah. You know, there's just so much. Like, I just love that. A big a big aspect of why I you know left engineering was just that. To me, like, I'm honoring my grandparents and my parents' work. Every ounce they put into this business is still going to their family, you know, in a way mm-hmm. when I'm still, you mm-hmm. know, when it's still in the family. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's just a tremendous history and legacy there to protect and, you know, I'm just doing my best to, to do that. Fantastic. So.
0: All right, hey, this was uh, this was fantastic, uh, JJ. This was great. Uh, Absolute th- pleasure. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, man. Thanks for being here. Um, let's uh, let's plug um, Conrad. So, do we have a website?
1: Yeah. So uh, our website's Conrad1928.com, and you can uh, find us with the uh, at the at symbols at Conrad1928 on all the
0: major uh, social media platforms. And you can order stuff from there. Yeah. So we're
1: soon. Going to be launching uh, on-demand delivery, so we'll be doing sort of like pizza. Great. Uh, my the new place is all about what I'm calling the sweets and treats menu, which is sort of prepackaged goods. Okay. Gourmet good humor. Right. So uh, we started out with the ice cream sandwiches. I brought you some of the, the yeah. Love, yeah. love bars, I which can't wait our to ice jump cream into that yeah. dipped in our chocolate. The,
0: the the salted caramel they make is like <laughs> off the fucking rail. Take so it. yeah, it's it. it's great. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's
1: it one thing i never change is the recipe yeah good you know my yeah. i my grandpa my and fred figured it out a long time ago i don't change
0: anything, anything. when it comes to you have to update it unless though, i have to you, yeah I mean, you, there's new, there's old production methods and new production methods and, and stuff that didn't yeah salty caramel wasn't a thing
1: it wasn't a thing 20 yeah, years right, ago, of course yeah. but
0: yeah so yeah. Yeah. It, but the the heart of it stays the same cool so well, this was, uh, this is, uh, has been Whiskey And. Uh, I'm Robin Robinson, your host, author of The Complete Whiskey Course, which is a brand, which I'm out there and constantly plugging all the time because uh, it's, it's a whiskey book, and it's a good whiskey book. And I am here with J.J. Cractus, who is the third generation of ownership of Conrad's Ice Cream Parlor in Westwood, New Jersey, www.conrads1928.com. Yes. Uh, look it up if you get out here take the train drive up here get in line get some ice cream in the winter we'll ship all over the country our, our chocolates that there you go that's Eventually, exactly we'll ship what people want cream, to know they'll ship the ice cream too right at some point not right, this, not right now but it'll it's, happen it's one of those mine shafts that's waiting to be well good hey JJ this has been great thanks buddy and um, Thank in you. the meantime here is some music to take you out We'll